Hey, hey, and welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. This episode, we have Mo Thomas, my friend from Detroit. And Mo is a fascinating guy, very, very smart. Um, and we go into some really fascinating topics. We go into um, quantum mechanics and some futurology stuff and things like that and how these things affect our spirituality. We also talk about his deconstruction and, and moving away from a monstrous God. And so um, I'm looking forward to diving into that with you. Um, before we start, just want to remind you guys, I'm doing all of this for free. Um, I, I spend hours a, a day talking to people, helping them through their journeys, putting out these uh, podcasts, putting out different resources for free. My heart is that we've all been burned enough by religion and people trying to steal our money from us. Um, and so my heart is to make these resources absolutely free. Um, and a way you can support me in doing that is to become a patron. You can um, sign up at patreon.com, Phil Drysdale, or phildrysdale.com slash partner. Um, as a thank you, you get access to a private discussion group um, where we have all kinds of fascinating discussions, and we have a monthly Zoom and a few other perks as well for different um, tiers of support. Um, as always, there's never any need to give, but um, just to let you know that this is my full-time job, and I am doing it for free because of the... That I really believe that people do not need another barrier to growing in their spirituality or devolving in their spirituality. Um, and so for those of you that do want to support me, that makes a big difference. It helps me do all of this um, full time. All right, let's get stuck in to our conversation with Mo. How you doing, Mo? Good to see you. I'm doing great. It's great to see you. It's good to see you. You're in your car. I am. I actually, the... Uh office because of the covid they uh sweep out the office and they kick everyone out so i'm across <laughs> the street i'm across the street in a little park nice okay sweet yeah. wonderful is this is this okay the this is great video is okay all right i'm impressed i'm impressed the video looks really good so okay. uh, you've obviously got some good 4g or whatever going on as well or can you get the wi-fi from across the road <laughs> i get i can get it from across the road there you go nice yeah, you get some good yeah. wi-fi spots yeah, it's uh, my awesome. mobile sanctuary, I call it. That's why I, I hang out in my car fairly this, often. I was going to say, this is not your first time then, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's awesome. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so glad to, to touch base. I was thrilled yeah. that you uh, that uh, we got a hold of each other. Thank you. It, it has been. So we've been connected on Facebook for, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but how long has it been? Maybe like 10 years ago we met? I think it's about, yeah, 2010 or 11 when you came out from Reading wow, to uh, Detroit. It's been a while. Are you still in Detroit? I'm still in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in the auto industry, it's yeah, there's not many other places to go, right? That's not a whole lot of options. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. So been, That's wild. I've been, other than a couple of years down in Florida, I've been in Detroit the whole time. Wow. Where 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 are you? I'm over in Manchester in England now. So okay. back in okay. the UK. Back um, in UK. Okay. I, I'm here because there's an amazing group of people here. I am not here for, uh, as far as places on the planet, I would choose to live. I mean, this it's might, a cool city. It's fine. Yeah. But I'm like the sun. I miss the sun of California. You know, uh, okay. I... I miss the culture of Scotland. Like, you know, I just, I miss different components of different parts of the world. This is a, yes, it's where I've ended up and we have a house here. I mean, we're not going anywhere, but uh, it's a weird, I do wake up frequently. I walk out the front door and go, why the hell am I in England? <laughs> like, you know, what am I doing with myself? Um, but I don't know. I guess, I think everyone probably has those moments wherever they live sometimes. I'm sure I think they so. kind of are like, why do I not like, 
I don't know. In this day and age, like, why don't but, I somehow find a way to go and live in like Fiji or something like that? You know, like, why exactly. have I done this to myself? <laughs> but you said it. I think you said it best. If you have a good group of folks, I think you can probably like survive in what otherwise might be a horrific circumstance. The, the people around you, um, you feel comfortable with. There's, mm-hmm. there's a good loving group. I, I think you can probably make your way through just about anywhere. So I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that you found that in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Like, how long, how long have you been there? Um, so I moved out here right after my divorce. Okay. Um, and that was six years ago now, I think. Okay, all right. Um, maybe five, maybe six years. But uh, yeah, it's been a while now. And I, I moved here because I, I, I could have gone back home to Aberdeen where my family are up in Scotland. I love it up there. I could have gone anywhere in the world. You know, my, my job like is online and I just need yeah. an airport for my travel. And so I was like, where do I go? And I just knew that there was this community in Manchester that I went to frequently. I visited a couple of times a year, maybe more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, this is just a tight community that I really get on well with. Like, I love this group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, don't go back to your family, Phil. Don't go to what's comfortable. Don't go to, because there wasn't actually, apart from my family, there wasn't a huge group of people that were like, you know, going to be able to do life with me in the same way. Um, And I was like, no, go here. And it was just the best decision I've ever made. It really was. Because when you've traveled as much as I, you know, I've lived, I think, last time I counted, I think it's like 18 places I've lived. I'm like 35, you know, it's like one every two years almost. (laughs) It's insane. It's insane. But once you've done that, you start to realize the difference between the places oh this place is sunny this place is miserable weather like yeah okay those are one thing but like we're saying the only thing that really matters is do i have people that when i'm feeling like shit will sit and cry with me and i'll spend all night laughing into the wee hours you know having a great time i can go to the pub and connect with i can have a games night i can have people come around i can go for walks you know whatever it is there's nothing like it i can't agree more so, I can't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is why, you know, Detroit uh, is not probably the choice of a lot of folks to, to settle. But yeah, there's a good group of, of folks that uh, I've managed to find. And yeah. especially with the deconstruction, I don't mm. know, some people don't like the word deconstruction, but you know, it's I'm, true. I'm that's, it. what, that's, that's what uh, it's been. And uh, yeah. without a community to go through it with, I think I might not have made it. Mm. I think I would have imploded. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's for most people, it is a very lonely journey. It's a journey they do mostly on their own. Yes. Um, because it's, it's not that there's no one doing it, right? It's, it's a huge movement of people everywhere are doing it, but it's really hard for them to connect with one another, to find it, one another. Yes, um, exactly. Because you don't social, gather around social, a, a thing like church or something like that, right? So yeah, how do yeah. you find someone that's going through that? It's, it's tough. And so, yeah. So and how did you end up media, finding people? Social media? Uh, what, Social media has helped, certainly, but um, there is a local body, um, a church that I've been attending midweek, where uh, the pastor's really gone through. I I went, uh, visited, and I saw on the bookshelf folks like, you know, uh, Rob Bell, Baxter, Paul Young, Mm. um, some of those folks. And I knew that there was, they're they're on a a similar journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stayed in the traditional path, so... Um, that midweek group has really been um, a gold mine uh, for me, mm-hmm. but uh, social media is probably where I've managed to not just maintain connection um, online, but as a means to introduce to, you know, 
going to the pub or uh, to hanging out uh, both locally and in other areas. I was such a skeptic of mm. Facebook and, and other media, but, but what I've seen happen as a result, you know, I've been won over that you, you can get caught uh, in the shrapnel of mm-hmm. social media, but if you're careful, it can really be an amazing place yeah, um, to, to make, make connections, deep connections. Yeah. You know, I have friends that I would consider very close friends that are in Australia and Africa and, uh, you know, parts of the world that I've not met in person, but we've shared our, yeah. our journeys and, and lives together. So that's been fantastic. Yeah, no, that's, that's been my experience as well, for sure. There is, there's, nothing like when you finally get to see face to face because I've, I've had people I've connected with for years now and I've had a couple of them come on the podcast and sh- share their stories and stuff yeah. and when you see yeah. them face to face you're like you're a yeah. person you know I, I, I know <laughs> you but I've never <laughs> seen you or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy maybe a picture with your dog or something every now and again exactly. or, you know like but it's just not the same um, yeah. so it's, it's, it's a beautiful it's a phenomenal medium and it, it probably is one of the reasons that so many people are going through massive faith shifts and things like that is this kind of like mass globalization. People are able to type a question into Google. Like in the past, yeah. you'd go to the only person that kind of knew what was right and wrong was your pastor. And you go to him pastor. and go, I've got this question. And they go, Oh, no, that's a bad question. Here's the answer. And you'd be like, all right, I guess I'm done. And you go back home. Right. I mean, that was the kind of, you right. know, you go back that's to maybe a hundred years, that would have been your process. <laughs> maybe yes, you've gone to the library. Uh, now you type into Google and you go, oh my God, there's a Facebook group with 10,000 people on it all asking this question. And yeah, yeah. You immediately can connect with people that are on similar journeys. And there's nothing like what you're describing there though, with the midweek um, meeting where you, you go into a place and you're not really sure where people are at. And you're like, oh gosh, I bet I'm the social pariah. I, I better be careful what I say. And then you see those names on the bookshelf and you go, ooh, Rob Bell. You just like you yeah. immediately like. Yeah. Oh, I feel a little you, safer. You can take a deep. You can actually <laughs> take a deep breath and relax. Exactly. Absolutely. I don't have to be walking on eggshells. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So about ten years ago, I was um, I was working at Bethel, um, and I was traveling with Paul Manwarren, I think at the time, and we came to Detroit to yep. do some sort of conference, and we crossed paths, um, and and we've stayed in touch since. But when we crossed paths, we were in the midst of this kind of charismatic, bubbly world. Um, yeah. And what I'm fascinated about is I was heavily deconstructing at that time. I was very good at being a chameleon. I was very good at te- to, you know, walking on eggshells. I very much felt like what I was doing at Bethel was important. And I was willing to make some personal sacrifices of feeling I could be myself as much as I'd like, so I could influence things in a, what I felt was positive way. Um, yeah. I'm really intrigued. Where were you at? Because I didn't pick up on, oh, this guy is like not at all here. Like, were you in the midst of your kind of like charismatic evangelical Christian world? Had you started to deconstruct? Like, why don't we go into yeah. a bit of your story and just kind of, you know, sure. Um, give, give me a, yeah. give me a rundown. We can, we can let start me, before me, that if that helps. It's probably much yeah, more Yeah, Let me, let me, helpful. let me back up a few years and then get to that point. Yeah. I'm going to assume that we were probably 2010, 11 is when we met, when you came mm. from uh, California with Paul. Um, 2006 really was the start of uh, my deconstruction, mm. but it really didn't ramp up into full gear until about 2012. So I was at the just beginning stages of my massive deconstruction, but like you, mm. no one knew, not even my family. I, I really wasn't sharing much with 
anyone. I was doing a lot of this on my own. Um, and, and like many, um, it, this was really a matter of wanting to make faith my own. Um, I was, I was uh, at the end of where my parents' religion could take me. It, was, yeah. uh, it had led to nothing but disappointment. So mm. 2006, the years leading up to that, um, a lot of what had been my pillars of security just started being taken out from under me. And I, I really thought it was God that was letting me down. That was my theology at the time. So I basically walked away um, from that version of Christianity and on my own started to deconstruct and explore outside of my faith tradition, kind of looking from the outside um, at what it is that really I believed. Mm. Um, so during that time, um, I didn't find a whole lot of uh, community. There weren't a lot of folks that I um, had met locally, um, online. I hadn't yet been uh, exposed to some of the groups that were going through this. So I was, I was struggling. I really was yeah, I uh, in, in, in a bad place. Um, so uh, I don't know if you had a chance to uh, to read the excerpt that I sent you. I did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was 2012. Um, I, I had been uh, struggling, really just asking God, um, show me a different way. Mm. So I, I hadn't stopped believing in God. I just stopped believing in the version of God that I had grown up with. Sure. So I had rejected one thing, but I didn't know what I, what it was that I was moving right. towards. What is time. it you think that was holding you on to God? Because I, I, I know for me, I mean, just working with people that go yeah. through this, many people, they're just like, this is just a whole load of horseshit. I'm out. I'm just yeah, done. 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 You walk the away, thing. they're done. Um, but many others, they might even feel the same. Like, this is just crap. I, I, what is this? But I can't let go of at least this nebulous thing in the center that I'm calling God. I can't let yeah. go of that, yeah. that yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like you were unable to let go or lose the idea of God or the connection there. Like, why do you think that was? Yeah. So there's two, I think two parts. So the engineer part of me that uh, has been doing that for 30 years, um, I can't let go of the order and um, intricacy that I see in the creation. Um, there's, there's nothing random about the way that things have been orchestrated to, to, work together. Um, and the intelligence behind that, at a minimum, there was a, a force of being outside of the realm that we knew and saw that had to have orchestrated this. So I, I couldn't let go of, mm. of God as creator. Um, and then the, the right brain side of me, the writer, the piano player, um, the beauty that there is a yeah. sense of something in the realm beyond um, uh, the, the ordinary that just calls out to something greater than ourselves. And it happens when you walk uh, in front of a, a, uh, the Grand Canyon or see a beautiful painting or hear just a, a haunting piece of music. Something in us is drawn to something greater. Mm. And that sense of beauty, I couldn't let go of either. So on one side, the order, the intricacy, on the other side, uh, the beauty. So I didn't let go of those aspects. It was just the version 
that I had been taught growing sure. up. I, I knew there had to had to be something different. Yeah. So we, you mentioned this is your parents' religion. Sorry, I know I've interrupted you like before you've even started the You're conversation. Good. Almost, but I'm, like, I, I'm intrigued by some of these framing points. Um, this is your parents' religion. That you grew up in this religion. You grew up in the church. Is that right? Just to I kind did. of get an so, idea. Uh, yeah. Fundamentalist uh, Baptist, and I, I'm so grateful for uh, my parents. They really did um, sacrifice uh, all that they were uh, to make a way for me to uh, mm. forward the one, ones who introduced me at an early age to Jesus uh, when I asked him into my heart, uh, June 16th, 1975. I was just nice. a little guy. And, and mom, I'll never forget um, when I came home from vacation Bible school, um, she danced in the living room. Oh, it wow. was just a classic moment, you know, just the joy that her son had found Jesus, yeah. right? So, uh, so that's all I knew. I, I grew up in that framework, um, memorized, you know, hundreds, thousands of verses and taught Bible studies, all of that. Um, so I, I knew the answers that the test required, but the questions that I had, when I asked them, I got these very pat answers that just weren't satisfactory, especially mm. in my science classes. Um, poor Mr. Barnes, uh, <laughs> growing up, but just uh, the guy in the back wouldn't shut up with the questions and, and they, they, they never satisfied me. So, um, so it was after that period where I, I started, you know, looking for myself um, and exploring outside of um, my own tradition. And in 2006, when I walked away, over the course of time, really, it was my love for science, where mm. God deposited clues, kind of like a trail of breadcrumbs um, in the realm of science that really led me back to a sense of, of faith and a connection with this uh, concept that we call uh, God. And then I started to grow into that. And I still feel sort of like a, a kid in a candy shop when it comes to this. So if you yeah. ask me about my theology, um, I'll give you my opinion, but I, I no longer bank on the certainty I once had. And I thought that yeah. was the whole thing. Um, certainty was the goal. Um, apologetics was my game. Uh, but now there's a sense of, of mystery and, and beauty um, and certainly I have opinions on how I think theology ought to be shaped. Uh, but at the end of the day, God does exist outside of our highest thoughts, imaginations, theologies, all of that. Um, and I think they're looking just for our trust that, mm. um, the universe is going somewhere. Um, it's good. There's order. And in our small spheres uh, of influence, I think when we act in line with that, that's a sign that our, our theology is moving at least in a healthy direction. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's one particular incident. Um, it was a, an experience that I had in 2012. Um, I had been going through a, a whole series of, uh, I call them soul earthquakes, just catastrophic life events. Um, things were being pulled out uh, from under me. Um, and, and I had a, an experience where I feel like God actually took me through a black hole. And um, that, that experience really shaped 
the next part of my journey where I started truly ramping up the level of deconstruction hmm. um, and, and really having to ask God, I really don't know anything about how this all um, fits together. Can you show me? Hmm. Can, can you show me how the pieces fit together? How does science run parallel to theology? Not um, you know, fighting against each other, but how, how did they come together? And, and God, in his sense of humor, uh, knew that I was a science guy, right? So the clues that were deposited were exactly in my language. Sure, and yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have to set anything aside. He said, you, you dive in as, as deep as you want uh, to dive. Um, the clues will be there for you. Mm. Uh, and, and so that's what I did. That's wow. exactly what I did. I, I dove in. That's awesome. So what, what was it that, so, I mean, you've been going through this kind of like six year period at this point of like kind of chucking out bits that you don't believe yeah, yeah. embracing a bit more uncertainty or maybe embracing might be the wrong word. I don't know if you were embracing it or just, you know, yeah. weeping from it. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess you could do both. Um, what were what were some of the key components that just weren't adding up for you? Like, what was it that you were like, this just isn't, I don't know what is, but this isn't. Like, what was it that was so abhorrent to you? What was it that was so, um, it just didn't click um, yeah, in question. your own tradition that you kind of grew up with? Because I think that's, it's always different for different people. There's a lot of overlap, of course, but there, I'm intrigued as is. to, was it to do yeah. with the science kind of stuff? Was that a, a, a big component or... That was, that might have been the first sort of chink. Um, if you've seen the Matrix movies, the splinter in my mind that the, mm. the six day literal creation is the only way to see what the scriptures say about the origin of, of the universe. Um, I just didn't like that thought that if you don't buy this, you can't buy anything else about the Jesus story. Right, it's all or like nothing component mindset, all or nothing, um, and that de- that doesn't depend specifically on the what you believe. It's how you believe it. It's the mm. certainty of it. Um, so all of these dominoes, as you say, the there's a lot of overlap, but all of these dominoes were connected. The first major domino for me to fall was um, I had a group of friends, um, uh, guys that we got together five in the morning, uh, every Friday for breakfast. And, and one of them, um, his daughter had asked him a question and didn't really bother him much. He gave the standard answer. Um, that really became the splinter in my mind. I could not get rid of this question. And I just kept pondering it, pondering it. And um, soon I realized, uh, God, this cannot be this cannot be the story. Uh, And the question was, um, dad, how are we going to enjoy heaven when we know that the God we're serving has our friends and loved ones in this torture chamber screaming out in excruciating pain while we're enjoying a party? And so those weren't the exact words, but that was the gist of it. How can we enjoy the bliss when those that we love and supposedly God loves a million times more than we do. Um, 
how how is it that we're going to be able to enjoy that you know mm. uh, is there going to be some kind of men in black memory stick we're just going to wipe well that sort of takes away our humanity mm -hmm. and that's the case it doesn't seem like that's the gist of the story it's it's that we're going to become even more ourselves yeah not less um so so something wasn't just yeah. adding up there what was his unsatisfactory answer um, God is just and he's holy and this is just the way that it must be. We don't understand it because God's ways are higher than our ways. And yeah. the, the, the phrases that are pulled sort of out of context from Isaiah, Absolutely. those verses that are talking about mercy and forgiveness are used to excuse the torture, um, which that's another <laughs> aspect of the, of the fundamentalism that, that really got to me over, yeah. over time. But I realized as I heard those answers that it just did not resonate mm. with me. That, that was, and we're, we're making excuses for a deity that if those same behaviors were assigned to any person. Yeah. You, you wouldn't know, find excuse. They, you would immediately lock them up. They, yeah. They would be, they would be labeled a, a terrorist. Um, uh, we're talking about someone whose character is worse than Molech or Baal in the scriptures, mm -hmm. but yet because it's God, we give him a pass. And I, and I realize that's just not my soul does rejects that outright, mm. but I honored the scriptures. And so I didn't want to just toss it aside. Right. That's what started diving in and, and uh, really wanting to see, from orthodox historical christianity interpretation of the scriptures what what really was the story that we mm. started with and how did that i started to see how that shifted and was influenced over time um it took that took a long time but that really was the first domino yeah how do we enjoy, how do we enjoy this bliss when my neighbor and my loved one and um, the same God I'm worshiping is, is actually sustaining them in existence for the sole purpose of um, eternal punishment without yeah. any chance to repent. Like it, it, it could not be. No. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to me how... I, it's amazing to me how often these questions come up from kids. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. kids are just sitting there and they're like, are the adults like on something like hold on question please but then the answer is kind of like this like this answer that i know for me that would have that would have satisfied me for a while for a good yeah. portion of my christianity that's the answer i probably would have gave to that question largely because i don't have a better question right and and you can feel in the answer there is this kind of thing of like i don't really understand either kid but like here's the bible verses and it will make right, sense right. at the time and it will just it will just add up you know like we'll, we'll when we get to heaven the two and plus three will equal four i don't know how but it will um and, and there's almost this like uh i don't know if it's a sunk cost fallacy right i'm too far in that like whoa that's a big question i don't have the answer to but we're in so let's just put that to the side um exactly but it does fascinate me. It, it, it makes me wonder i mean obviously I have no connection to this person or this kid but i'm almost I'm always intrigued by kids that ask that question because I probably asked questions like that as a kid, got that kind of answer and went, okay. And then kind of mulled on for another 20 years before I really kind of unraveled. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And I wonder how well that will work these days. You know, I wonder, you know, that's maybe like still too early, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe his kid 
goes online after that and starts typing in questions and finds one of these Facebook groups or, you know, or whatever. Like, I don't know how well those kind of answers are going to hold up anymore in the way that they did 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, because people think, will go for a second opinion. You know? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, you're, um, you're exactly right. And, and I think there's a reason why um, Jesus so often modeled um, the kingdom after the viewpoint of a child. Go, mm. go learn from them. Um, that, I think that's one of the big aspects of um, childlikeness that he, he's asking us to model. And that is yeah. that curiosity, that in, innate sense of wanting to trust without reservation. Um, as a as a small child, trust their parents. There's no hint of manipulation or coercion in the way that a child trusts. It's just because they know the goodness uh, of the parent, and and we've morphed that into um, a a different definition of what it means for God to be holy. Mm-hmm. Um, our starting point is that God's holiness is in contrast to our unworthiness, our utter sinfulness, our utter nastiness before a holy God who can't look at sin. Um, Well, no parent or grandparent looks at that baby and thinks that, but yet our theology forces that separation of a sinful man from a holy God as the starting point for the story. Mm -hmm. And when you start there, well, it's fine that God punishes eternally, because when you offend an infinitely holy God, then you're worthy of infinitely nasty punishment. It makes sense. Yeah. That's, the, that, that's how you have to frame the story um, for that scenario to fit. And like you did, I made it fit. That I, I didn't necessarily like it, but then again, I didn't really think about it all that much. It just yeah. was what the scripture said. So why, why, why would you argue if the scriptures clearly, you know, uh, Jesus taught on it more than anything else, right? How many times have <laughs> we heard that? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he didn't, he didn't teach on it, at least in that way. No. Um, the way that we've been told. Um, so when I started looking for myself um, and seeing what the early story was, I realized that of the six original schools of theology in the first five centuries, four of the six taught what we call now ultimate reconciliation, Mm. Um, that God would restore and make aware of man's original value and connection to God that they lost sight of in Genesis chapter three. Mm. So our original blessing, very good. Yeah. Um, that God would restore that sense of awareness to our connection with the divine. Um, another one of the six also believed in postmortem repentance, the possibility, but they believed in annihilation. Mm-hmm. The heretical view, the one that had come from the antichrist influences, was this idea of eternal torment. Yeah. So they were the heretical position in the first few centuries. Now that's the mainstream and the thought that God would actually restore everyone sounds like the apostasy. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've reversed it when we look at um, history and that, that was shocking to me. I, I, 
I thought that if I had to walk away from this idea of hell torment, that somehow I'd have to dismiss the scriptures. When in mm. fact, the more you dive into the scriptures, the more you see that how they were originally interpreted, that trajectory was towards a God who, whose mercy never ended, whose love never failed, yeah. who would search for the lost coin every last one until every one was returned back to the original owner. The trail of breadcrumbs is all through the text yeah. uh, for those who are willing to see it from the lens of Jesus, who showed us the true nature uh, and essence of Abba, God as, as yeah. father. So how, how are you going about this? Because I'm always fascinated because I think this is one of the cruxes of people going on some form of journey of because um, it does feel like most people grew up in an environment like what you're talking about of like, well, yeah. if you reject uh, creationism, then you're out because the Bible says creationism. So then you're just not a Christian. Or if you uh, sleep yeah. with someone before you're married, well, the Bible says very clearly somewhere, we don't know where, um, you can't sleep with someone before marriage. Um, and so then you're out, you're just out. Um, yeah. or whatever it is it's like these kind of like it's you agree with the bible or you're out um, and then when we look at it from a more critical perspective maybe a more um let's look at the breadth of orthodoxy within the early church and we look at some of these topics or we then go well let's look at it historically or whatever we go uh bible says that so some people they interpret it that way but actually it could say something else and maybe i'm not out um was it through this kind of exploration of hell that like kind of taught you there were different ways to approach the Bible or had you already kind of picked that up or like, cause that feels like once that, that pillar comes down, that there's one way to read the Bible. My pastor happens to know the exact way. Um, and I have to now read it exactly the same way. And if I somehow interpret it differently, I need to be very careful with that. Cause I'm probably being deceived. The Satan's whispering in my ear or whatever. like, but once that pillar comes down and you go, Oh, the Bible. Sure. I could like, find probably seven or eight interpretations of this passage i wonder which one is like speaking to me is is god breathed or whatever um yeah that yeah. changes everything because it allows you to look at almost any topic that way it does um when how did that kind of um dynamic kind of come into play was it through this topic of like kind of looking at how how, how gods would deal with people in that manner yeah yeah so the the dominoes were very closely tied together once i started looking at hell then all kinds of other things that um, were tied came came into the picture so um penal substitution mm -hmm. inerrancy of the scripture um eschatology um old testament violence so all of these were very closely linked and once one fell the others did as well um i i very quickly um two things that um, sort of factored into that portion of the exploration. Mm. One was the idea that the scriptures served as a Rorschach test. So the Rorschach test is the psychological inkblot test mm -hmm. where you put these inkblots and the a patient looks and tells you what he sees. And it's a way to tease out the subconscious. Um, so the inkblots don't change. It's just what you see tells you a little bit about your perspective, your bias. Sure. Um, no scripture serves as a beautifully accurate Rorschach test um, that exposes our lenses and our biases uh, 
and and tells us more about us than it does about reality Mm. that that was a huge concept to me that the scriptures were actually reading me more than i was reading it um and very quickly this number which people uh drives those close to me crazy because i use this number all the time uh doesn't bother them it bothers me Forty-one thousand. that's the number of recorded denominations in 2015 uh that have membership records so forty-one thousand, and obviously it's more than that um so the idea that the nuance of how you interpret scripture you can form your own group and gather around that particular way of interpreting mm-hmm. scripture these aren't just different styles or locations often these are just subtle nuances in the way we understand certain aspects mm-hmm. and there's enough weight to them apparently that they want to gather members around that particular way of, of seeing um, well, that's something's wrong with that. That looks nothing like John 17, the vision of I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, and you're in me. This, there's this whole mm. flow there that we can celebrate our differences. We can celebrate the different revelations that we each have and come together uh, yep. around that. Um, why do we have to gather individually? to the point where, and I've seen this, I've witnessed this, there are groups who won't associate or they're, they'll politely associate with, but there's no way that you can cross over and celebrate mm. what others are seeing because they just don't see it like, like we do. And we're certain. Yeah. Oh, so I don't know many Christians that wouldn't know what you're talking about there. Like, Almost yeah. every Christian group has, you know, that, sense, that yeah. group over there are like, you know, oh, yeah, we can hang out with those guys, the Methodists, the Episcopalians, whatever. Whoa, the Charismatics? No, we don't go there. Like those guys? Yeah, they can come to the big citywide gathering of Christians or, you know, whatever. Hopefully they don't influence us with a speaker or anything. But like, you know, like, but they can be there to pray and like to attend. Um but yeah, don't go anywhere near those guys or, or vice versa, right? The charismatics will maybe be like, oh yeah, but don't go near those liturgically driven like Christians or whatever right, it is. Right. It um, exactly but we, we all have kind of grown up in, uh, maybe that's not all, but most of us have grown up in some form of Christianity where there was, a, there was the bad boys of Christianity, right? There was the boys that were like, uh, kind of welcome, but no, 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 we're not going there. You know, we're not even going to talk about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember at university, like, you know, the Christian union, it was like, you know, all the Christians that are in, in college yeah, yeah. And, and like, yeah, that's fine. Like everyone's welcome, but we are basically kind of like this kind of fairly broad denomination, but it's a very conservative, it's this type of denomination and charismatics are welcome and these people are welcome, but like, we're not letting any of those people be leaders. We're not letting any of those people suggest a speaker for the week or any of that kind of stuff. No, we're definitely not doing prayer afterwards or, or whatever it might have been. Um, and I think we just all naturally have certain groups that we're more fearful of than others. And it probably is to do with how different we are. Right. I mean, that's usually what it's down to. It's so subtle sometimes the way that it's framed our, the lines that we draw around our brand of revelation or our our style, it's very subtle and spiritual sounding. Um, you know, it sounds like humility, but it's actually arrogance. And, Mm -hmm. and I saw that 
only after I stepped outside of my own tradition. Within it, in the echo chamber, you just heard the language so often that it reinforced mm. um, that what you were doing was you were honoring what God had given you by keeping your distance from anything that could threaten it. And so when it sounds like you're honoring God by devoting yourself to your specific brand or doctrine, um, then it became very difficult to see others as, as anything other than an enemy. It forced yeah. the us versus them. And this wasn't just Christians versus none. It was Baptist versus charismatic or yep. Catholic or, or so. Um, and at one point I thought these are just different styles, but looking from outside, um, that's why people are making fun and uh, are, are so sarcastic when it comes to Christianity is mm -hmm. they see it for what it is. And that is we are more interested in our certainty than we are on demonstrating that the grace that we've been shown, we can't even do that among ourselves, yeah. let alone um, letting it overflow to our, to our world. Yeah. So, I it's interesting to me when you look at the very early church, um, this was in like mass quantities. And we probably, we have this kind of weird kind of whitewashed version of the early church because we only kind of held on to certain letters or certain expressions. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. generally speaking, the kind of the Roman thought of Christianity that kind of yep. survived and grew. But like you look at the early church and we, we look at these early Gnostic gospels and different writings and we go, this thing was really diverse. Um, sure and was. yes, there was some writings like, you know, a Paul's letters correcting going, no, this, my way is better. Yeah. And you should make sure you yeah. do this. That existed. Of course, Christians were fighting and they've been fighting the early church fathers fight amongst themselves and write to each other and, you know, whatever. But there was on, on another level, there was still this camaraderie, this kind of connection, this, um, it was much more, uh, no, I think you're wrong. And this is why, and I think I'm right. But there was still a, and you're still a brother in Christ. Even when we look at those kind of like different views of the afterlife, people yeah. bicker in the early church about that back and forth. Yeah. And they're like, no, you're wrong. It's definitely ultimate reconciliation or some sort. Yeah. And it's like, no, yeah. no, I'm all about this kind of new idea of eternal conscious torment. But at the end of the day, they never were like, and therefore you're out. I'm in, I'm a Christian. You're a non-Christian, whatever, like, you know. Um, and that seems to have kind of like, that seems like a more modern idea. I don't want to say modern as in the last kind of hundred years or anything by any means, but I think a lot of it does come from kind of this Protestant idea that we are saved by having the right idea. You know, okay. it's, it's, it's an intellectual agree. ascent. Um, and I think that to me is like, in my experience of my faith tradition, the, the real cancer at the core of it was that it was always about finally having the right idea um and so i did i bounced around i grew up as a baptist my parents were charismatic baptists so i mean in the uk that's much more you know there's just much more diversity within the baptist church there's a lot about diversity in the baptist church in america as well it's just we don't hear about much of it um yeah yeah, yeah. but um they were charismatic baptists but then i went and became like quite brethren so it's like hardcore fundamental conservative um and then i kind of like swung and like you know had a bit more of a kind of like non-denominational mainline and then i went to like kind of charismatic i went out to bethel and you know and then i was like oh progressive church is interesting and i'm just bouncing yeah. all over the shop but what i found is regardless of what movement i kind of embraced i immediately rejected what i was before 
And I was certainly going to reject whoever I was about to become as well. If I could look forward and see where I ended up, I would have rejected that group because I had to reject someone that believed differently than me because my, my security, my existential, you know, existence was wrapped up in this belief is correct. And therefore all these other people are wrong. Um, And it feels like that's in some way, shape or form part of the, the deconstruction process for a lot of people is letting go of this thing of like my existential reality is wrapped up in being right about something. I think that's why it's so hard for a lot of people is we've, we, that's how we've been wrapped up for 30, 40, 50 years, some of us. And then yeah, yeah. suddenly it's like, oh, I don't actually know what's right anymore. That's why it's so terrifying in a sense, because that's how I know I'm going to be safe for billions of years. That's how I know I'm loved. That's how I know I'm accepted. It's um, so hard to see yeah. if you're within your tradition, that mindset is so hard to see because it mm. just is painted as honoring God means honoring your correctness about your belief system they're wow. equated the way you honor god is that you know that you know that you know exactly what the tenets of your belief yeah uh, system involve yeah, yeah. is it pns that talks about it as the sin of certainty yes it, exactly um, and so when when in this in this journey because there was a big overlap of you starting to deconstruct ideas and beliefs but you still yeah. being involved in your church you know and, yeah. and being yeah. in that world like was there a time in that period that you kind of started to see this or was it only when you kind of like stepped out of that world um, and, and stopped kind of like being kind of in this like one finger in each pie kind of dynamic that yeah. were you able to see it while you were still somewhat in it? Was there kind of this overlap period for you? Yeah, it was. St- so externally, I was still in it. Internally, I had already stepped yeah. out. So internally, I was starting slowly uh, to see it, Um, saw hints of it all over the place as I started to explore outside of my own Mm. faith tradition. And interestingly, God, with their sense of humor, um, two of the groups that I had been warned were uh, demonic, heretical groups to stay uh, away from at all costs were the Charismatics and the Catholics growing up. And the two groups that God used to influence my uh, expansion of the scope of what God is and, mm. and what, he's, what he's like uh, were the charismatics and the contemplatives in the Catholic Funny, tradition. It's <laughs> always humorous how, how God does that. Uh, right in the areas where you're supposed to reject, uh, you see that he's sprinkled revelation in those streams as well that mm. Uh, for the for the curious and for the open-hearted, they're 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 there. Um, I this is recent, but this factors in because there were hints of this um, back ten years ago. Last year, um, April two thousand nineteen. Um, I'm going to give you a, a, a short science story, but that oh, but it relates. Um, there was uh, the first ever photograph. Um, and it was all over the internet um, of a black hole, M87. Yes. And that was a, you know, probably the work there is Nobel Prize worthy. Mm. Um, and and it, it, it was um, such a stunning picture, but in reading about how it happened, um, 
it matched my experience of looking at my faith tradition. And so here's, here's how the picture that we see um, happen. Um, 20 years, um, there were 15 different locations around the, the world. Um, no one location on its own um, could focus its own telescope and capture this. So what they had to do was triangulate essentially from 15 different locations to form the easiest way to think about it was an Earth-sized telescope. Sure. And they focused on the same location in the sky for the period of 20 years. And over the course of that 20 years, they merged their images together, sent it through an algorithm. There was a group that was responsible for the way that they collected this data and overlapped them, overlaid them to form this one image that we saw last year as the first ever image of a of a black hole it's truly and I, I looked at that wow what clear image is there of the way that the body is supposed to operate that any one of those you know several hundred scientists in 15 different locations realizing they can't see this on their own they have to freely not only share, but receive info from all of these other sites, merge them, overlay them. But what was the goal? All of those things together wasn't to reinforce their piece of the image. It was to see something beyond which no individual site could see on their own. Well, there it is. There's John 17. It's beautiful. When you combine all of our individual revelations, what comes into focus or what should come into focus is the beauty of the Christ. That's, mm. what, that's what we're trying to see and make the focus of all of our worship, all of our service, all, all of it. It all centers around uh, the imagery that we're trying to portray. Uh, we become who we, be, we behold, right? That, that's mm. all through the scriptures as well. So it just struck me that science recognizes inherently that in order to see something beyond what any one group can see, we just have to freely share and receive and overlay and, and work for a long period of, of extended time. Why? To see something beyond the scope of what we can see on our own. Yeah. So in my opinion, Theology needs to take its cues from that approach to who God is and what God is like. Mm. Um, we have taken the opposite approach. We have gathered around our individual view or revelation to the detriment of overlaying all of the other views on top so that one thing could come into focus. We're, yeah. we're worried about who's right rather than about what is beautiful and can mm -hmm. be shared, right? So if, if um, we took our cues from that project, um, we would see very quickly that uh, in, the, in the sense of mystery versus certainty, science is certainly leading uh, the way we could really take our cues from, from that approach.
Yeah, no, that's so, so interesting. Cause I mean, we all inherently know that this is how life works, right? If, if you're, if you've got a few kids and a vase gets knocked over in the house, right? You don't go to one kid and ask what happened and then be like, all right, I guess I know everything there is to know about that story. Cause there's a good chance you asked the wrong kid, right? <laughs> or, or maybe, or maybe you, you ask a few kids and you go, oh, there is a story here, but actually I've got to piece a few of these things together and I kind of get an idea yeah. of what actually happened here. Maybe um, check the whatever. camera over there as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and so like, we, we understand this, right? This is why we have like multiple witnesses in murder trials or, you know, like yeah. we, you know, we, we, we yeah. try and get as much data as possible to piece things together. Um, that's just how we we in- intuitively know the world works. We are inherently flawed in how we perceive things. Um, we don't like to think about that overly, but as soon as you go into a more professional context, we're very quick to go, well, obviously we're not going to trust just what I saw or just what they saw or just what they think. Um, we're going to get a few different opinions. We're going to look at this. Like, you know, you don't just go, oh, we'll just ask one economist. Uh, e- economist. Right, right. Yeah, we don't. Well, what, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't ask just one of them. How do we get out of this? You know, um, this downturn or whatever. We 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 speak. We gather a collection of experts in a room of twenty people and go. All right, you guys talk about it and figure it out. But we figured right. that if we add a few of you into the mix, we should have a fairly healthy, balanced, you know, whatever view. Like that's how we deal. Well, uh, hopefully, how we deal with like um, these kind of like more uh, pragmatic. Uh, yeah professional contexts but the second we look at something that is very we perceive to be a very intimate personal kind of thing or journey immediately i'm an absolute objective witness to everything and anything there is right so my experience is the only experience and i can rule out any experience you've had because mine is this way um and so we start to go well christians obviously know exactly what the divine is and every other movement in the world every other group of people that have ever tried to go gosh, there's something more going on here than us just like kind of being animals that are walking around on the planet. Something's happening. What is it? Let's meditate. Let's think. Let's pray. Let's do some sacrifices, whatever. Like these different cultures that have tried different things may have stumbled across some stuff that we haven't stumbled across in our tradition. It's worth going and asking um, a Buddhist who in their tradition have sat quietly for thousands of years going, huh, let's just observe. I guarantee they've picked up some stuff that Christians didn't pick up while they were running around, you know, proselytizing or whatever, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and, and yet we can't do that. We can't because we have to be the one telescope looking at the black hole and our data is the best data. And I don't want to share it with you anyway, because I don't want you to steal my work or like, that's just right. not how, that's not how healthy progress is made. No, uh, it's, exactly it's not how right. to, because we can't, we can't see something objectively. We never will see, you know, God objectively in a sense, because I can't see you objectively, right? I don't know. Maybe the camera's flawed. Maybe the sun shining in through your car window changes the hue of your skin or the jumper you're wearing or your sweater or whatever. Like, um, yeah. And so I need some more people to observe you. And then we talk about it. And now we have a slightly less subjective, but still deeply subjective opinion on who is Mo, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then heck you've got probably a pretty good opinion of who you are but actually how many times you talk to someone you love you know and they give you some feedback and you're like oh i did not see that in myself wow (laughs) you know um and so it's just that's the thing it's fascinating that's exactly thing the thing about our understanding is that we believe that after a few thousand years we've we've stumbled into the full revelation of the divine Mm. we 
a thousand, a couple thousand years, and we think we've got God figured out. Um, so that changed everything for me in mindset. If God lies beyond our wildest ability, imagination, concepts, if that is true, then we are all just little kids staring at calculus equations on a huge whiteboard, you know, pretending that we understand. Um, no, everyone is going to look and see from their perspective. And can I actually see that that person might have something to teach me and that my goal is not just to win him over to my belief system. My goal is to actually together in solidarity, share our experience of the divine so that maybe it comes into focus just a little bit, little bit clearer. Never as, never the goal being certainty, the goal being discovery and exploration of what's what's mm. true and good and beautiful so if i see that then yeah we have much to learn from not just our different denominations but the traditions outside of our christianity that have also stumbled upon their revelations of the divine mm. um, that we think is completely off limits yeah. just like i was told about the catholics and the charismatics even more so other right, well, definitely religions, right? See what they think, yeah. Right. Um, but yet, if we can agree at the very beginning that none of us, not even Phil Drysdale, has 100% accuracy of his belief system. Um, 99, can, maybe. 99, maybe. <laughs> but if we, if, we can, if we can agree on that as a starting point, that we will one day discover that all of us were gloriously wrong, Mm. even in some very key aspects of our theology if we can agree with that up front boy then life becomes an exploration and there's a joy to the journey because it doesn't have to be it the 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 answer i don't know is not only perfectly valid it might be the most healthy um, response and a good question is probably far better than an easy answer That's completely opposite to my engineering analytical mind that filtered over into the theology area. If you're not certain, if you're not 100% sure of your exact beliefs, you might be out. And to be out meant billions and billions of years of torture, right? That was what it meant to be out so you're gonna you're gonna keep your distance from anything that might threaten your being an insider mm-hmm. um well that that just contradicts the whole message that jesus came to bring us um in that uh, in that first century and that was there there are no walls those that were setting up the walls received his fiercest criticism consistently and he said, those that you thought were the outsiders, the sinners, the enemies, the foreigners, I'm going to make those the heroes of my story. I'm going to make mm-hmm. those the subjects of my most intimate interactions to show you that in my world, the way that I see the thing that I call the kingdom, everyone's an insider. And we have to help people wake up to what that means and looks like when everyone's an insider then you're already on the inside of God's favor. 
And that changes the way that you live. So it wasn't about your belief system. It was about seeing how God sees us. And we filtered that through the lens of Jesus, who showed us what what God sees. Um, And that's what changes and transforms the heart of a person from the inside out. So, so that's why I love the scriptures now, because I see that it's pointing us to a reality greater than what is in the text itself. It's not the words on the page. Um, I mean, imagine the words just forming the shape of an arrow. Mm. If you can see the arrow, then maybe you're headed in the right direction. If you only see the words on the page and you just gather and focus there, you might have you might have to put yourself in the audience when Jesus was speaking to, to the re- religious leaders. Um, you know, you think that you found eternal life from looking at these words on a page. I'm standing right here before you, God in the flesh standing here before you, and you refuse to come to me. Yeah, that's, and that's I, it, isn't it? Wow. I saw that he was saying that to me, not to that guy. He was saying that to me with just a, a warning in his eyes that you're missing the point completely. Um, and, and that's why I think he led me towards the science uh, approach that leads us towards mystery and not, not the need for certainty. In fact, certainty would have, would have ruined many an exploration. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, 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 it's actually the discovery that's the joy, the exploration that's the joy. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm, I'm, I'm overjoyed that I'm never going to know it all. Mm. Um, and, and, but that's, that's the beauty of, of the exploration is um, what did uh, Father Rohr has said, something to the effect that um, God is not the unknowable. He's the endlessly knowable. Mm. I love that. You'll yep. never drain the depths. You can explore for eternity and never come to the end yeah. of it. And so you should enjoy it along the way. Yeah. With and all those around you, enjoy it along the way. That's how I see good science as well. You know, like you look through the, I love reading like um, historical science. So like how, how scientists engage with their science and, and develop, because you see this again and again, it's the same dynamic actually of um, scientists going, okay, we figured it out right? How many famous books, right? You know, that's it. We've got this. We understand what the earth is like, or we understand what the cosmos is, or we understand what makes everything. It's like these little bits, you know, or, um, and then someone comes along and goes, I just have a question, you know, like, like the teenage girl with her dad going, Hey dad, what about people burning forever, you know, or whatever. Um, it's like, I've got a question. Are atoms the smallest things go? Could there be something inside an atom? And people go like, absolutely ridiculing and like castigating and 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 there's still that culture um even in science at times where it's like you fool you idiots you well yeah. we know this you know and why would you ever question this why would you and it's, like, it's almost it's like we've arrived you know i mean the, you know there's a famous quote by the ibm guy isn't there like it's like we've officially built the most powerful computer there would never need to be more than exactly. 11 of these on the earth or you know like, and these things or right. the, the the famous quote i think it's in the late 1800s but someone was like science is official discovered everything that is to be discovered and i'm like wow this guy needs just to look pick up a history book 
and just yeah. see the trajectory, right? Like what you're talking about. Let's look at the arrow. Do you think we've really finally arrived? Is that not like a slightly arrogant position to hold? Um, and yet this is where we are with Christianity. We do it again and again and again. If you look through and read historical Christianity, you realize, oh, wow, people a thousand years ago did not believe what Christians believe today. Like right. they were radically different. And Christianity has evolved and changed and developed. And it's been shaped by culture and all sorts of different things. But it's changed. We are not the same that's Christians. A, that's a new thought for a lot of people. Huge right? thought. A, huge that thought. is a huge thought for most of mainstream Christianity that what we believe today is not what it's always been. Yeah. That was very new for me. I thought yeah. that what we, even when I took uh, Christian history classes, it was filtered through modern day interpretations yeah. so that it sounded like we were just doubling down on what Jesus and yeah. Paul taught and what we've had what we have in place now were were just clarifications of yeah. what they re- we, we wrote read down in the first we centuries. read our ancient texts with our 21st lens uh, 21st century yes. lens you know we yeah. we uh we read the word marriage and we think oh a boy and girl falling in love and dating for a couple yeah. of years at youth group and then like you know yeah. getting engaged and then getting married and having kids and it's like no 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 they meant someone going i'll have that one please let me know when she has her periods here's some yeah. money you know like, like not maybe not always but basically pretty much across the board that's what marriage was until about the 1800s do you know what i mean and so again like we do that we read this kind of like 21st it's just a very uh practical example because we can all agree that marriage historically was not what it is today we, we all know that well i don't know we all should know that <laughs> that's a fairly common understanding of what marriage has been through the history and um, but we do it with our bible and we go oh when they said heaven they obviously mean what my pastor means when he says heaven but right, you go, right. well actually let's look through history and let's look at the different yeah. and then as you go back you're like well they they thought some different stuff about heaven oh whoa, whoa yeah, that's exactly. weird or kingdom or hell or any of these words Right. Um, and we do it through all these different lenses. But I think as if we can understand that Christianity has always been kind of growing, if we look at the Bible and realize, oh, it's not a static text that teaches one thing, but actually this is kind of like gradual growth and evolution of belief and understanding of what God is. And Jesus comes along and goes, hey, yeah. like I'm kind of a culmination yeah. of this direction that you've been moving. And even Jesus then goes, so like keep moving that way right yeah but we look at the text and we open it and we go oh just a flat text with no trajectory no direction and and what happens is then you move two thousand years forwards and we're wanting to move two thousand years back that's our goal because we have to go back to that that uh reading rather than going okay we've been moving on and that's a good thing and how do we keep moving on um and so christianity becomes the enemy of moving forwards rather than the the proponent of it you know the the person that's supposed to be um steering things and, and and pushing things forward and going come on let's go let's go let's go in the same way that at times the, the scientific community can be the enemy of yeah. scientific progress right you look at um, yeah. geologists and like you know when uh, they started discovering dinosaur bones i love yeah. reading about that time periods where like they're just like oh no yeah it's crazy dinosaurs don't be what you think it's just massive lizards that big that's crazy you're just an idiot and like there's one or two people going no, i'm pretty confident like and, and it's just now we laugh at it and we're like, oh yeah, we always knew it was dinosaurs. No, 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 yeah, we didn't. Yeah. We were like really anti that. Um, yeah, yeah. And so we all do this, even even outside of Christianity. I think it's a, a slightly human condition almost in a sense of us trying to preserve our groups, our safety, our security, our certainties. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Anyway, this has been like all over. Yeah, but, um, but there's, a, there's a connection. It's all, it's all connected. <laughs> and I, I want to uh, toss one thing on the table as, as far as well, you just mentioned Jesus. Mm. 
as the culmination of the scripture's trajectory. And, and I love that Jesus being the lens through which we view the scriptures. Mm. And in Luke 24, that's what he basically showed his disciples, right? The guys on the way to Emmaus and then later in the room, he, he has to teach them how to read the scriptures in a way that points to him. So the equivalent on the scientific side, another lens, I'm not going to say the only lens, but one other lens that was hugely influential in the way that I read scriptures was that um, the universe, um, very similar to the way uh, a black hole forms, if we see that the universe began in a singularity, which is the entire mass of what we see um, in the visible universe at its origin being condensed down to a single point. If that's the starting point of the entire universe, um, then when Paul makes statements like the whole creation was created in Christ, and is now held together, sustained in Christ, then all that we see now at one point was connected. Mm. All of it was connected in Christ and now remains connected in Christ. Well, if you read the scriptures from that perspective, then Genesis 1 and 2 are the start of the narrative and Genesis 3 is when we lost the plot of our connection with the divine. Mm. Western Christianity has begun the narrative in Genesis 3 as the starting point of human history. We are fallen, unworthy, unrighteous, dirty creatures before a holy God who looked at what we did and cast us out. That's our starting point. Well, that's a horrific way to start the story and only relegates to the, the first few chapters to sort of the creation narrative. And that's mm -hmm. it. I think it's exactly the opposite. Genesis one and two are the focal point, And I would even say pre Genesis one and two is before the foundation of the world. That's where we find our identity, our connection with God, our connection with each other that was prior to the creation in this singularity that Paul calls Christ. We were all contained in Christ, mm. which means that our connection remains as the creation is happening, as the universe is forming. Well, that connection remains in place. So our starting point is original blessing and connection in Christ, not original sin, yeah, that we see in Genesis three. Well, mm -hmm. all right. If that lens, we can look at the narrative and the trajectory from that lens. The only thing we lost in Genesis three then is our perception of God changed. Our actual connection did not. Mm -hmm. That that changed so much for me. That separation from God is actually non-existence. You, you cannot exist separate from your source. That, mm. that's a, that is a physical and natural impossibility. So if the starting point in Genesis 1 and 2 is our God-breathed soul 
in existence only because of our connection with Christ. Um, that's what gives us our life. And we lost the plot. And we all of a sudden started running in fear from a God we thought was angry, thought was going to come after us with a lightning bolt. Um, but yet, what, what did God do? Even in the story we see, before Adam and Eve had a chance to lift their head and offer a, a, a prayer of repentance or confession, before any of that, he's coming towards them with animal skins, fashioning clothes, mm -hmm. and wrapping them in their fear and shame before they have anything to offer in terms of, uh, of repentance. Yeah. So God is the initiator to bring us back to the awareness of our connection. Adam and Eve running in fear out of their wrong perception of the same God. Well, that sets the trajectory for the rest of the story. The rest of the Old Testament is our wrong perceptions. We're growing. We, we get a lot of things right in there. You get the glimpses, but they sure got a lot wrong. They still had a lot to learn. Uh, they operated much like the couple behind the fig leaves when it came to how they perceived the divine. Mm. And so science would say, if you start with the singularity, they're not using religious language. We're equating that from the Christian tradition as what Paul called in Christ, the entire universe was formed and created, is held together and sustained in Christ. That really changes the gospel narrative, in my opinion, to say what we have the joy of doing is helping people wake up to their divine origin. Yeah. There's no line to cross, per se. The only line is a perceived one, and God has already crossed it on your behalf. Um, and, and, has let you know that you have been included into his family before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, 4, mm. that you were holy, perfect, blameless, chosen in love before the foundation of the world in Christ. Yeah. Now, that is a beautiful, good news message that we, we really need folks to, to hear and understand. And instead, yeah. it's been co-opted by an or else version of the gospel that says God is out to get you. He is furious with you. And unless you cross this line, that consequence is billions and billions of years where that fury is going to be poured out on you in a special place mm. set aside for your torment without a chance to repent. That's our starting point for the story. And I, I, I feel that that is um, more unfortunate than we, than we could possibly know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree massively. So let me ask you this. I'm intrigued. In, in my experience talking with people, um, this is a pretty hardwired concept, right? You've got like small young girls going, hey, dad, I've got a question about this health thing because it's yeah. a big deal, right? It comes up often in the deal. average sermon or, you know, and, and of course it's a big deal, right? I mean, this is like you who like existing, you will go on existing for eternity. Do you want to go on existing in Golden Street's big mansion place with endless worship songs? I'm starting to feel less attached. Um, or do you want to burn in your own fat for eternity, right? And it's like, God, this is a hard one. Can we, can we get rid of the worship songs? Okay, I'll go there. Um, you know, but like, I'm like, this is wrapped up in Christianity, isn't it? You gotta, you gotta kind of like, 
you know this is your options and you know what will get you to each place um yeah. give or take right i think some people have give some sort of doubts or whatever and um but what's interesting to me is that is so hardwired so like ingrained over decades and decades and decades of church attendance and reading your bible a certain way reading books whatever it is um yeah. and then you start going i'm not so sure right yeah, um, yeah. well that's on the list right i'm not so sure is on the list and now you're going to hell in the eyes of many people right um, which is why we don't ask these questions right, right. Um, was that ever something or is that ever something that you still on some level have these kind of like ah oh, what if i'm wrong like or yeah. did you ever kind of wrestle with that as you were going on on a much more kind of like less logical maybe you logically can go no nah, I, I know i'm not wrong but more on an emotional level still go like yeah but what if i'm wrong i don't want to go to hell uh, was that something you ever wrestled with at the beginning it was huge because mm. it was against everything that i had been taught the the danger of crossing a boundary um that uh, that might put you out out of god's favor uh so people would bring pascal's wager to the table the if I'm wrong and you're right, I don't have anything to worry about. But if I'm right and you're wrong, you know, so yeah. you, you, you might as well put, uh, <laughs> gamble on the, on, on what gives you the best odds. Um, there's so no downside to you saying this prayer. Yeah. The and, nice God will let you in if you believe in the back God. If you, it, but. Yeah. Kind of, kind of that. Yeah. If, if you believe in this version of, the God who's going to torture you if you don't say yes to him, then we'll let you in. And so past, that really bothered me that um, this, this was the setup. Here's the list to, to, get, a, to get in. Um, and if not, you were out. So I always had this sort of uh, doubt. Um, for, for years, I had it. Um, through the course of time, though, I've had a few significant experiences one was that mystical experience i had through the black hole but then many others along the way that reinforced it um i'll go back to what i said before well we're all going to find one day that we're gloriously wrong in some yep. key aspect of our belief system i am completely fine with that i'm overjoyed that that's going to be the case mm. with that said um I now can rest and trust absolutely 111% uh, certain about this. What I'm trusting is that I know that God is a God of love, of mercy, of grace, of justice, of holiness, of wrath. And all of those things are wrapped up in his love. They're all expressions. Mm -hmm. If you imagine white light, hitting a prism and breaking up into all the colors of the spectrum. Um, that's what the scripture describes as the white light of his love. Jesus being that prism expressing all of those character traits. So it's not justice versus love. It's not holiness versus his mercy. They're all integrated. They're all mm. part of his expression. I trust 100% that the afterlife that God is going to do what's loving and just and merciful. Yeah. I have no doubt whatsoever that um, 
whatever that looks like, I can't know that for certain, that it's going to be consistent with a God who loves and wants the best for me now and in the future and for all those that bear their image. Yeah. So now Pascal's wager, I'm going to set that to the side and say, uh, this isn't about odds on my side. It's about what you believe about God. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What's God like? What's got at, at the core, it, Tozer said, what comes into mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you, because by secret law of the soul, we become like the one that we behold. Well, what mm-hmm. do you think God's like? There's the question. Yeah. When it comes to the afterlife, what do you think he's like? Mm. I, I wonder as well, though, there's, there's almost a flip reverse of that in that, yes, we become what we behold. Yes, we be, you know, the, if we... Uh, you can see this again and again and again, right? You, uh, the reason you don't want to leave a fundamental in the room with all your kids is because they become like the God that they're worshiping. And I don't really like that, that God, right? Um, it's maybe a bit harsh, but <laughs> I'm just, I'm like, don't teach my kids what you believe. Um, but you know, there's, there's an element of that, but there's also an element that I think, um, I, and I don't know if you'd agree with me, but I think for me, I can perceive this in that we also, while we're becoming like the God we worship, we are also creating the God we worship and, and the God that we're worshiping is created in our image on a flip side as well. Um, and I think there's a, a kind so of very true. double so dynamic. Very. So God is becoming better and more good and more loving because I'm growing in my love and my, my grace and my ability. And, you know, maybe you have kids and you suddenly realize, Whoa, I would never do that to a kid. And, you know, and then go, huh, how does God do that to his kids? And then we start questioning the nature of God and growing and and, and there's almost this need for us to, to, for God to expand, to become like us on some level. Um, I think it's both and, I don't think it's either or. Um, but I'm intrigued by that as someone that loves science, as someone that's quite scientifically minded um, and aware of that component um, and saying that you might be gloriously wrong, I know at the very beginning, we talked about how you had to hold on to some level of God. There was just too much order in this world and beauty and whatever. Did you ever go through seasons where you were like, okay, yes, but do I just want there to be a God? Because that's what I think causes beauty or could could chaos be very ordered? Is that possible? Like, and and so was there ever an existential dread of like, well, what if the gloriously wrong is... I cease to exist. I, I just, yeah. that's it. I'm worm food or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, did you ever go through a season of trying to wrestle with that and, and dealing with that? Cause I'm always intrigued by how people deal with that. If they do. This is why I um, really affirm now those who've gone through uh, a period of, of atheism and, and maybe even still remain there. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, in a version of God, rejecting the Christian version of God, for example, that maybe they grew up with, which I would say is probably true for me. Uh, But those that say now that the version uh, or definition or concept of God that they um, have heard, that you you don't have any reason for that um, as the cause behind the beauty and the good that you see in the world, Mm. right? So um, let's separate very carefully the concept of Jesus from the concept of Christ. And and that I know is controversial. Um, Christ is his last name, of course, in in the Gospels. But 
Father Roar does a brilliant job, I think, uh, of this, that uh, God as the source of all that is, the ground of all being, as Paul Tillich says, or, or the garden of existence, that by which all things come into existence. Um, we can say then that reality itself can be named, quote unquote, as, as God. Um, it's, I think when we try to apply our understanding of an external, objective, tangible deity, that we start running into the issues. Yeah. If there is this concept of reality, something outside of which everything that exists finds its source and sustenance, um, that's an easier and maybe more agreeable starting point, both theologically and scientifically. I think when you start there. Now, and let's call that reality Christ. The the reality in which we find our existence. Paul um, in Acts 17 to the philosophers would say it, that in him we live, move, and have our being, quoting the Stoic um, yeah. poet, right? Um, Jesus then becomes the incarnation, the embodiment of the reality that has been eternally true. So what we see in time and space is the expression of this reality in human form. Um, that's why I carefully separate, at least in my understanding, Christ as the reality expressed in human form in Jesus. So yes, they're, mm -hmm. they're together, but carefully separated that those before and after and outside of the Christian tradition, the spirit of Christ is operating eternally yeah. to draw people into the understanding of the divine yeah. that there is a reality in which we ex exist that leads us towards the the true the good and the beautiful mm. so to your to your point well what if none of this exists what if what i'm wrong about is the existence itself um i'm i'm fine with saying that the source the reality of all existence, that concept um, we name as God. Um, and, and that being the starting point, Jesus as the expression of that, I landed fairly comfortably in that space. That allows that concept to grow and morph and even be set aside without it affecting anything in the theology of it. Sure. At least from 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 my perspective. Yeah. So I don't yeah. have to lock on to a very clearly defined concept of of who or what God is. Yeah. It's existence itself. Yeah. It's re, it's yeah. the reality itself proves it. Yeah. No, that's that's good. I but, like that. It's a good answer. Uh, that's it's, that's um, Rohr's, um book, The Universal Christ. I mean, co yes. covers that you're alluding to. Yes. Like, but the yes. concept that um, Jesus is fully Christ. But yes. the Christ is not fully Jesus, the person Jesus. You know, that, that's not how the Christ it's, is. It's, it's almost like Christ is the universal reality in which we find our, our being. Mm. And Jesus, for a time, comes to express that. So He fully he embodies would, it, yeah. It fully embodies it. So he would say Christ as the eternal reality, um, Jesus in human form didn't exist at the time. Sure. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not that like that's literally a there's a tiny little man, Jesus, holding all our atoms together, but he's right, also right. like a, a, a beyond like spinning universes or, yeah, I don't know, like, you know, it's, right. it's like, no, 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 it's, you know, it's, it's yeah, um, it's, it's that Jesus embodies this this concept of Christ, the, the spirit yes. of God, the, the Ruach, whatever, you know, language we use. Um, yes. It's, it's a beautiful concept. It's one that I, I like um, to draw on a lot. And so it's really interesting. I love it. So, Mo, where are you now? Where are you at now? Because you've been, you've, you've written your book. Is your book kind of finished? Is it about to come out? Or are you still kind of yeah, working on? Yeah. Final edits, uh, probably November uh, this year is when I'm hoping to awesome. um, have it have it published. And it it sort of charts the journey from 10, 12 years ago uh, to now of the D and reconstruction aspects mm. and how science sort of led the way to my returning to faith after I walked away. Um, so it's a combination of some of the, uh, the stories, the life events, um, the, the science of black holes, how that all shaped the, um, the earthquake of my belief system being demolished mm. and how those started to get pieced back together. Um, and what that trajectory looks like going forward, what, what that really sure. changed in the way that I saw the world. Um, black holes That's and cool. quantum physics, those, just, those two topics have been the source of incredible fascination mm. uh, for me over the last decade. And Talk to me about that. I want to hear more because I, I, I've got um, a stack of books. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can see any, but I've got some books all over the place. There's one up yeah. there, Quantum Worlds. And I'm like trying to get my head around quantum mechanics. And um, yeah. I, I, I like research. Okay, what are the easiest entry-level books to read? I got a yeah. bunch of them. I picked them up and I'm like, what the hell is this stuff like? You know, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not massively academic or smart at the, at the, at the day, but I'm not, I'm not stupid. I'm, I'm a fairly smart guy, and I'm like, this has got far too many formulas in it for an oh, entry level book. It's... Like, what are we doing here? Um, and so I want to know more uh, about that world and especially how it's informed your reconstruction and stuff. So I mean, yeah, talk to me a bit about um, yeah, quantum science, quantum uh, mechanics. Like, what's that done for you, physics? Let's. Uh, we'll start back with the black hole because we mm. we talked a little bit about the universe starting with a singularity, a single point. Um, the 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 world of quantum physics is simply. You asked the question earlier: Is the atom the smallest thing that we have? What if there are things smaller than that? Um, so quantum physics is simply the study of the very small. That's mm. all it is. It's just you keep drilling down, down. Uh, further and further and you get into the subatomic particles and you know 16 or so of those guys and the interesting thing about a singularity is that when it expands when that singularity explodes and science would call that the first cause or the big bang or the origin of the universe um paul would call that in christ in genesis let there be light the first expansion of what was in this now starts to form the universe quantum physics would say that all of those subatomic particles remain energetically connected yeah which means that um 
the easiest way to think about it is if you take a subatomic particle and split it into two. So you have particles on other sides of the universe, let's just say that, that were originally one single particle. Now you have two halves. When you activate one half, the other half acts as if it has also been activated, as if they know that they were once connected. Mm. So there's this field that connects all of these subatomic particles that originally were together in the singularity that remain connected. And so the picture that I often uh, visualize is that we are um, simply waves on an ocean of energy. Mm. And those waves come in and out of existence, but they're all part of the same ocean, right? So if that ocean is Christ, all that exists in terms of matter is simply energy expressing itself in visible form on this, on this ocean. So Jesus would call it um, branches on a vine. Mm. So waves on an ocean just is the equivalent of, of the example that Jesus used. I'm the vine, you're, you're the branches. You find your life and existence in me. Where does, the, where does the vine end and the branch begin? Well, it's, there's an organic expression of life mm. that makes it, it, the point isn't where does one end and the other begin. It's that our life is an expression of the one source. Just like waves on the ocean, where does the ocean end and the wave begin? That's not really the question. Mm -hmm. Waves are simply an expression of um, waves are simply an expression of the, the ocean itself. Yeah. Um, so just when you start at the beginning and see that connection, um, that really brings to light when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God mm. in quantum physics terms. That's what scientists are calling the field, the field of energy. It's a way of seeing and being. We are connected with God and connected with others. And when you see that, that you're not an other, you're actually expression of the same source as I am. Can I see you as that um, through that connection? Sure. So Jesus, Jesus would say, love God and love others. Mm. Um, well, how does that happen? If you see as a child, you'll see our connection. Mm. I think that's what, uh, what Jesus would say. So science is simply giving us in non-religious language yeah. the same principles that Jesus taught of the kingdom that science would call the field. So I would equate, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture and, and um, I was delighted to find by studying the science of it that it was exactly parallel to all that Jesus taught about the kingdom. I didn't have to force fit it. I didn't have to take, you know, wrangle the science of it and fit it to what Jesus said. They just naturally ran 
parallel. They were talking about the same way of seeing and being in the world, mm-hmm. um, just using very different language. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think this is it. This is the the. I talk about this a lot, and and I'm far from the originator of this. I've stolen it from everyone that I listen to. Um, but like you know, the, that concept that ultimately everything we talk about is a metaphor, right? We're, we're constantly trying to describe something that's undescribable. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we find better and better language for things, and we hone what we believe and what we understand. But we're all kind of describing the same reality, and we're looking at it in a different way. It's like the old proverb of like how you're describing the elephant, right? Well, if you're studying yeah, the truck yeah. and you're studying the tail or whatever. Yes. Um, and and I think, you know, science is looking at it in a more reductionist kind of like um, logical kind of how do we break this down and look at it? Um, you know, maybe religion is looking at it maybe more m- mystical, maybe metaphysical kind of kind of experiential yep. kind of uh, approach. Um, yep. What I love about quantum mechanics as I, as I look at it is what certainly a lot of the, um, the early fir- fathers of uh, quantum uh, mechanics all kind of ended up going into some form of kind of mysticism, um, which is fascinating to me. Um, and, and I think that's natural. If we look through the history of humanity, uh, as soon as we get to something, we go, what the hell is this? I don't understand it. It's not adding up. We kind of start to ascribe some, we, we create a metaphor, we create a narrative, we create a story that makes sense of it. Um, and what's beautiful is many of the stories we've created make sense of what we're discovering um it's it's, you know and it's not to say that they're necessarily true they might be still not the best wording or you know they might not be the best metaphor but they 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 still are in line there's something there that you're like oh we're kind of describing something that's going on here framework yeah Um, and it is it's it's just astonishing to to and i'm very um uh, I'm very uneducated in this area. I, I, I basically just pick and choose and look at a few things and read a bit here and there and go, oh, that's very interesting. So I don't yeah. know much about quantum mechanics, but what I, when I, whenever I hear stuff, I'm like, that's crazy. Like the, yeah. those degrees of interconnectedness, the, the degrees of it, only what we observe, like the, the certain things are everywhere at once. And yet, or they could have take, they could take every path um, and they do take every path, but actually, when we look at them, they only take that path. And, and you know, whoa, 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 whoa. So they're so responding to the on. observation of them. Exactly. Right? I mean, that there's a profound level. thing on that, right? I mean, that's that's tying into some uh, yeah. some of the narratives that we've created, religion uh, has created, yeah. really tie into that, right? We, you know, that that what we observe is is what we become. What we observe creates reality. You know, your I mean, the charismatics, your words create yeah. worlds, and all these different yeah. things that you're like. Oh, or or like maybe the secret, or you know, any of these kind of new agey kind of things, and it's like, I I can see that there's maybe some sort of stuff going on here that could tie into that. I really can see that there's maybe some scientific kind of explanation. But what I love about quantum uh, mechanics is it's it's a field of science that almost uh, you know I've heard many people say that if you understand quantum mechanics, you don't understand it. Um, you I know, was like, just going to say that exact same thing, it's, and it's all amazing. Of the leading leading scientists in the field will double down on that and say, if you believe that you understand what you're looking at, you have understood very little because at the um, core of quantum mechanics is the mystery of it. At the Newtonian level, when you look at the world, big bodies, they behave according to a very, um, describable and quantifiable set of laws and formulas. Mm. Uh, And 
we run the world based on those formulas. Yeah. We design our cars and our homes and our devices based on these. Um, quantum physics is a game changer because as you go down, drill down into the very, very tiny, all of a sudden what you thought was reality is actually little particles that aren't particles. They're just little uh, pockets of energy almost like they're popping in and out of existence, right. whirling like little tornadoes. Uh, and at the very core of it, you take all 7 billion plus people and take out all the empty space, we would all fit into a sugar cube, the uh, volume of, of a sugar cube, because it's all of these little unquantifiable pockets of spinning tornado energy that comprise us and 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 the world that we see it's it's it really is mind-boggling because you know we are so used to thinking in quantifiable very discrete entities it leads mm -hmm. to our understanding of us versus them it requires a separation yeah quantum mechanics says our starting point is everything is interconnected mm. it's a different starting point yeah I would, I would argue that scripture says the same. Our starting point is either separation or connection. Yeah. Uh, when you start with the interconnectedness of all things, then, then what I do and what I think actually affects deeply those around me mm. and those in parts of the world that I can't see because there is an interconnectedness that I might not be aware of um, that is still true. Yeah. That can either be a depressing thing, depending on your perspective, or it can be an incredibly encouraging thing that the, the smallest things that we, uh, do in our little piece of the universe, um, have effects that we might not ever see in, in our lifetime on other parts that we're connected to, but just don't know. Yeah. And, and don't see. I'm, I'm excited that maybe one day we'll see some of how those interconnected pieces actually, how our stories intertwine yeah. with the stories of, of, of each other. Right? How the last, exciting, over, right? Uh, over the last 10 years, how you and I, maybe our stories have interacted in ways that we've, we we will never know. Yeah. We'll no, I mean, I, I am so excited to see how this develops because it does feel, I mean, it feels like we're, we're, I mean, of course it's a brand new field of science in a lot of ways. And it's, it's, and we are just still very much going, what the heck is happening here? And I say, yeah, we, yeah. I mean, that's, that's me, but like that, apparently that's what the scientists are saying about it. You know, they're like, oh, we have no idea what's going on. Um, uh, and there's plenty of people within that field as well that are like, no, no, we've got, we are making progress and we do understand more than we have ever understood. And, you know, like, so it's not that yeah. like, everyone's just flapping around going, what's happening. Um, right, you know, right. like, um, but it, it does get me really excited. It feels like, um, it feels like we're in this brand new era of discovery, a whole new, exciting, uncharted exploration. You know, it's like when we first went to space, you know, and it's like, wait, what? there's a whole world outside of earth. If we could actually start exploring that, that's mind blowing. We got excited about, you know, discovering a mountain in Africa and get to the top of it when no one had ever done that before or going to Antarctica or whatever. It's like, 
no, no, we can go to the moon or Mars, or maybe we could colonize a planet millions of light years away at some point. Like that's huge, but it's almost on the flip. We're starting to go in deep and we're going, whoa, there's a lot of stuff in here. You mean the stuff I'm made of is clicking in and out of existence? Like, you know, whatever, you know, obviously that's a very crude and probably an accurate description, but, but like, what? Um, have you, because I don't know much about it, have you have you looked at the concept of like multi-worlds and stuff like that? Like, do you have thoughts on that and how that might have some form of spiritual component or anything like that? Or I know it's not always a, an accepted kind of uh, theory or idea, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. very popular. Yeah, so I, I, I write a little bit about this. The, um, mm. the two folks that have influenced me, Brian Greene and, and Max Tegbar, uh, Tegmark, uh, I've become convinced of multiverse, which is simply a, uh, a string of universes beyond the 92 billion light years across universe in the visible universe that we have. Well, what's on the other side of that? Multiverse theory would say that there is um, a string of additional universes, some of which parallel aspects of this one, but with, with key differences. Uh, how many of those and how those play out, there's a lot of theories on, on how that works. Uh, in my opinion, uh, it expands the beauty and the magnificence of the God who's still the in Christness of it is still mm. a beautiful thing. Um, wh- whatever the starting point, you go back far enough, it's still all described in in the narrative beautifully as uh the all of it is created in christ but um 92 billion light years across is what we now know as the visible universe um we have just in the galaxies that we can see with uh, with hubble now you know the hundreds of billions of stars within each of hundred hundreds of billions of galaxies doesn't it uh drop our jaw even more to imagine the possibility that this universe is one of billions or hundreds of billions or uh, of, of universes and and what about the stories of how those all come together so you're talking africa the moon mars multi universe so i I love the possibility of its existence i lean that way of course right now it's all theoretical and mathematical uh have we been able to prove it some would say mathematically yes Mm -hmm. Um, i would lean that direction as far as where the evidence points but there are plenty of folks who look at it and roll their eyes and say you're you're talking star trek (laughs) well some of what we saw in Star Trek several decades ago is now commonplace. Yeah, yeah. you know no, true. the Jets, true. the Jetsons cart- cartoons. <laughs> now, now you see it lived out in our living rooms. So I know. I'm still hoping and praying we do not get flying cars. That terrifies me. <laughs> the thought of the average human in a flying car—just I can't even imagine the chaos raining down on our houses and gardens. Um, but uh well driver driverless is cool driverless get me there as soon as possible i am so excited to be sharing the road with computers rather than people again i just don't have a lot of trust in people behind fast moving vehicles that weigh a ton what Um, about driverless (laughs) what about driverless flying cars 
Ooh, interesting. Oh, uh, see, I yeah. got you. No, I, I'd be, I'd be more open, but, gotta, but I just, I'm still like, oh, yeah. I just think if a driverless uh, network that is, um, is beautifully made, wonderfully done, yeah. you're on a road. You know, you're not going to drive through my garden and kill me and my family. Something's yeah. flying overhead, and then suddenly, I don't know breaks somehow we've all seen the movies someone's gonna hack the network or something's gonna someone's gonna be <laughs> onto some big government and they're gonna have to kill this guy and he happens to be above your house and drive into your bedroom um like i'm just like mm, i'm not sure i'm not sure i'm very pro automated uh uh network as long as, and, as long i just as want them over there on the road feet. yeah exactly yeah exactly i want them on the ground so i yeah. can just like you know have a little bit of, i don't want to be under one but that's i think i, the, I just i just want you to oh. imagine though virtual roads above the there we go. roads that yeah. exist now a virtual network that only allows travel in vertical spaces above those roads they're locked in they're yeah. not allowed out of those spaces so so I, I the risk like of someone flying into your bedroom goes down to about 0.003 percent yeah i i I like the odds and i work with odds all the time and and yet there are things that i throw the odds out of the window and go no i don't like that so a good example might be boats i i know boats don't sink that often i know it's fine i'm not going on a boat i don't want to drown i I don't care right and i don't care if it's really impractical totally illogical i will do really really dangerous things if i'm in control um but i will not do dangerous things or i'll not do safe things if i'm out of control i think that's a weird dynamic with that Um, how about flying over an ocean well, it doesn't bother me because, and I think this is, so this is the component that fascinates okay. me. Uh, the reason that I don't mind flying is it's fairly either or, right? How many people do you know that have gone, hey, Mo, how's it going? Yeah, I was in a, a plane crash. I'm fine. No, it, no, that never happens. The no. conversation goes, hey, Mo, remember that person you used to know? They were in a plane crash. They were and in a plane you, crash. And now they're <laughs> someone you used to know. Um, and so for me, it is a, quite a finality to it. If you crash in a plane it's not going to go well for you. It's done. Not gonna go We're well. done here. You might you know, end up Tom Hanks on an island talking to a volleyball. That sounds like my ideal kind of week anyway, to be honest yeah. with you. So. Yeah. 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 After, As an after introvert. a year or three or four, it might get a little bit longer. My biggest concern is my diet. I'm not sure I'd, I'd cope very well. I'd probably eat a poisonous berry in about three seconds and be dead. Um, so, pl- yeah. so planes, because of the either or. I think it's just so okay absolute. With. You know, but, you're going to die. Boats, Cars are too safe, man. You know, like, do you know what I mean? If I'm in a car and it crashes, I'm probably going to be okay, but I might be in traction for eight years or, you know, I might be in a coma or I don't know. I probably might be in a coma, but like, you know, I might, I don't know, have a punctured lung and be slowly dying as I'm waiting yeah. for the emergency services. I don't like that process. Boats, yeah, yeah. I don't like that when it, when it goes down, you're slowly drowning or getting eaten by yeah. sharks. I know no one gets eaten by sharks, but... Uh, don't tell that to the USS Indianapolis or whatever it is. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, that's terrifying. See that a story like that, and I'm like, okay, I'm putting all logic to the side. They ate hundreds of sailors in one night. I'm out. I'm never going near the ocean ever again. <laughs> if I want to hit the ocean in a plane, I'm I'm praying I'm dying. You know what I mean? I'm like, I want to be dead. I don't want to be surviving it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. Lo- so my 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 thoughts aren't logical. How far are we from like these fully automated? Because you're in the industry, right? Are you I still in the industry? industry? I yep. worked actually worked in, on um, the technology in those vehicles uh, for a couple of years. Um, we are in in one sense we're already there. They're, right, they it feels like it. Now. 
Um, we've tested them. All Is it legislation? Them. Is that what we're really waiting for more than anything? Both legislation and infrastructure. The technology has a little mm -hmm. bit more to go. You would not believe the number of different scenarios that have to be accounted for sure. in order for it to safely be put on the road for public usage. Yeah. You can see the misuse. You can yeah. see easily the potential for misuse. Yeah. So for for widespread public usage, I think we're still several years off. But the technology is on the road, publicly used now um, by many of the major auto companies. So we're yeah. I, I think we're we're closer than we think. Yeah, I was reading um, um, some update roadmaps on, uh, I think it was Tesla, you know, it's always Tesla's yeah, and yeah, you must get yeah. frustrated by that. But um, no, I was no, reading, I think it's pushing the technology, it's pushing the, yeah, the envelope. Yeah. So I was, I was reading their update roadmaps and, I, and I'm always fascinated with each update. They like push things and they're like detailing. And they're like, oh, we had to update in case there's like a concrete bollard that's like, you know, this much into a lane we hadn't thought about that and like you know and yeah. that like triggered some warnings and we you know they're not going to crash into it but they triggered some warnings and it's like so the user yeah. had to take over and or the car would just stop or like move or whatever right. and so right. it's like so we update it and now it doesn't have to worry about that and then it's like the next update you read is like when we updated the thing about the concrete bollards one of the things we didn't see is that then this would happen and it's like and it's just constantly bit by bit and you're like yeah. god like how many little things on a roads can change and and then i look at somewhere like the uk our infrastructure is not america right i mean you guys have nice mm -hmm. wide roads big long stretches that are super straight everything's kind of laid out well you've got good on ramps on off ramps like there's a lot less chaos right and then i'm like god what about in india i mean like if there's ever a place that needed yeah. it it's india but um you know like i can't even imagine how you start programming there's not road markings there's nothing it's just chaos um and, and i'm just like i get excited by it though i, I really do um but uh yeah, yeah it's, I, the, the, tech, the technology has come in the last 10 years, just amazing leaps in what is possible. Mm. And that's true for all aspects of technology, but certainly in the auto industry, it, it's no different. Um, connectivity among vehicles is, yeah, is going to yeah. be a major aspect of that being safely deployed. Right. On, well, we streamline things so much, right? Yeah. Do you do you yeah. foresee people? We are we've left being um, anything to do with theology now. We're like now a tech podcast. But um, I just am fascinated, and this is what people sign up for when they they listen to my show. Um, I get distracted <laughs> by fascinated uh, concepts and fascinating people. But do you do you see um, individual ownership of cars just kind of drifting away as we become kind of quite interconnected and you can just go, oh, I'm going from here to here. And it's like, Oh, there's cars like kind of moving in that direction anyway, just jump in one. Or like, is that something? Cause people talk about that as a kind of utopian kind of like um, concept. Do you think that's kind of where we're heading? You see all of the major companies are looking at uh, ramping up their mobility practices. And that is, um, shared usage as opposed to mm. individual ownership. So I think there's going to be a leaning in that direction as we go forward. You will always have a remnant of folks who are just car enthusiasts yeah. who want to have their own and take it out and they don't want driverless. They want to yeah. take it out on the open road and get the, get the feel of, of what it, you know, yeah. uh, road, road under them, um, steering wheel under their hands. Yeah. But, you'll see a drift in that direction to 
make use of a vehicle, whether that be an individual vehicle or more uh, public transportation kind of vehicles that take advantage of the full uh, number of hours in a day, yeah. where it's instead of sitting in a parking lot, um, I, I think COVID has really pushed the boundary on that as well, as well with so many more people staying at home, uh, working remote. Now, the idea of making use of a vehicle, at least that's been pushed to the forefront. How can I take advantage of this 12-hour period where this vehicle isn't being used for that person who needs to, uh, to take it for a few hours? So, so companies are thinking in that direction, how to automate that, um, how to deploy it uh, in major cities uh, for people to, to make use of as an option for rentals, you know, short-term rentals. So, so you'll, I, I think, yeah, you'll see mobility usage. It's, um, it's just really, I get excited because yeah. I mean, I'm very aware we are using way too many cars and they're yeah. like everywhere. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, and, and I, I'm from the Europe. We have much, we have just all kinds of constraints which allow us um, to explore other options and we have more public transport and everything like that. But America, really, you don't have many options. You, you have to have lots of cars. You need, you know, a yeah, car per yeah. person and things like that. It's just kind of essential. Um, so it is fascinating to watch. I watched, did you see um, the Netflix uh, movie Upgrade by any chance? He It, it was kind of this no. futuristic kind of thing. He gets like a chip that upgrades his mm. body or whatever. It's really cool, but um, yeah. a, a good action adventure movie, whatever. Um, but um, in it, like, it's, it's a series or a movie? One. It's just a movie. Yeah, it's just it's like a, movie, a one-off. Okay. Um, it, was, it was fine. It was just like, it was just an action adventure, fairly brainless. Um, but there's automated cars in it. And at one point, um, like, he's running from the police or something in his automated car. But uh, but um, the computer system's like, I can't get away from them. You're going to have to take over. Because he's one of these guys that has, like, an he's got his own Mustang. And he's into, like, he's, like, he's like a real, like, I hate tech kind of person. And so somehow he's going to drive better than the computer. And it was the most annoying <laughs> moment in the movie for me. So I'm like... <laughs> No, he's not less likely to crash. In fact, he's about to cause a lot more crashes than you would. And he's definitely not going to get away as well as a computer would. But uh, it just fascinates me. We still have this idea, don't we? And I have that idea as well. Like, well, I love the idea of automated cars, but I know I drive better. Like, get let me take over. You know, I still want to drive the Tesla myself. Um, Yes, it's funny. Isn't it funny though how you look at? We, we talked about the, the, the Jetsons and movies like Star Trek or series like Star Trek where we, those things were just so far out there. Um, science fiction was just such a break from reality of what we knew mm. in the day-to-day. That gap is closing. It is so futuristic movies like what you just described, you notice that a lot of them emphasize the connectivity of humans with their environment. Yeah. that sense of connection with not only other things on the road, but with other people and with other parts of their experience. Yeah. So, you know, to circle back, I think what we're looking at is a, a growing awareness of the need for us to take advantage of the connection we have with our environment and with other people in order to make living and, and functioning in the same space um, you know, healthier, healthier yeah. for us. So uh, really movie makers, filmmakers, 
sense that, sense that that's what the future is going to involve more of that. Um, but in order for that to happen, I, I do think there is a need for the awareness, the growing awareness of, of our connection with, um, with, with each other and the environment uh, yeah. that, we've been, that we've been placed into. into. It's such a fascinating world. I think often, you know, we are going to adapt. Our technology is going to allow us to live longer. We're going to start having more space. We're, we're going to have less people working. We're probably going to have to shift to some sort of universal basic income for at least some shape, form in the future, you know, as we automate more jobs and things like that. Like that's going to give more people time to think. You look at the, 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 you know, mass renaissance and, and, and explosion of science and technological breakthrough and innovation was because we started to automate things in the, in the factories. And yeah. suddenly yeah. there was loads of people going, I got loads of time to think and like, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, and, and how much more so are we going to start doing that as well? And so it gets me excited about the idea of millions and millions more people sitting at home being creative, exploring art, exploring thought, and and sitting, being metaphysical, and going, "What am I? Who am I? What's going on? I don't know." Um, taking a whole bunch of psychedelics or whatever it is that they've got time suddenly to do, and just go, "Wow, what is life?" You know, I don't know, um, but it, it's quite exciting because I do think we are going to see radical growth in spirituality as well um, as we see these major shifts in what it is to be human. Um, I think where do you think the trajectory as what you just described, where do you see the trajectory of that taking us? If you go with the traditional story uh, that we've been taught in, uh, at least in the Christian religion, but I would say in in many of the major religions, um, you make the most of what you have in your insider group, Mm. but ultimately the earth is going to burn. So we really don't have a stake. Um, if we set that model aside for a second and go with what you described instead, how does that change the arc of what we imagine for the future? Because I, th- yeah. I think that's a huge question. U- ultimately, we're talking about um, how our metaphysical musings uh, about who we are and what are we here for and what, what's, what's possible, how does that shape the earth and maybe the universe that we imagine for our children, yeah. grandchildren go, going forward. How, how does that change it from the story that we've been told? Yeah, to I don't know. I, I, I think we are moving in a trajectory. I think we, are, we, if we follow the Bible, if we follow the, the last 2000 years, we follow like the direction of we're moving towards um, more inclusivity um, more oneness as, as a as a human species. We might still have a long, long way to go, but we are getting there. We're be, we're more inclusive. Like I think there's still this kind of classistic uh, extremism within that. But I think yeah. actually, if you can silence the the loud voices, I think the majority of voices are seeking inclusion and and oneness and acceptance on the whole. I just think that the the narratives that exist. Uh, that are maybe the the loud voices maybe don't push or promote that. Um, and maybe that's something we'll see more and more of as well as this divide separating. Um, but I do think there are some loud voices, aren't there? Gosh, I'm a loud voice as well. And God knows what I'm saying. So who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I do think um, hopefully my agenda is somewhat better. Um, I do think we're moving in that direction. We're moving towards those kind of things. I think, I hope that it, we are going to, 
see more and more people realize, gosh, we're all in this together. Why are we constantly fighting? Why are we constantly trying to have what and that means someone else does not have? Do we need that? Once we've got kind of mass automation, things like that, maybe we'll, we'll take a step back and go, oh gosh, actually this isn't about like, you know, there's more than enough for everyone. And actually maybe we shouldn't be ruining this planet. I think that's the big issue on the table right now is our, our devastation of the planet. I mean, we've got loads of issues on the table, but at the end of the day, if we've nowhere to live, most of those issues won't be an issue anymore. Um, no, and and so I think that's a big thing. I, I, I love, have you seen The Expanse on Amazon? I think it is. It was Netflix originally. Great I sci-fi series. Is it? Probably okay. the best sci-fi I enjoy, series. I enjoy series like that. Okay. You got to watch The Expanse because to me, it's the most realistic sci-fi kind of I've seen that's like, mm. hey, here we are a hundred years from now. We are living on asteroids, you know, mining them. Uh, people have been living there for like 30, 40, 50 years. The second generation people on there, their, their bones are changing, you know, like, I mean, they're like, they're radically different. But, like, to their but the sci-fi is not sci-fi. Do you know what I mean? It's like kind of like barely more than the tech we have now. So it feels very real, raw, gritty. Um, mm. It's really well done, the physics behind it and they, the teams they've got to, you know, mm. the way they explore kind of zero gravity and things like that and different things are really fascinating. Um, and they're work, working on colonizing Mars, um, working on colonizing some uh, moons and different things like that of like, how can we trans, uh, you know, terraform these? How do we kind of like work on having somewhere other than Earth? Because Earth can't sustain the amount of people. Basically, everyone on Earth has no job because there's not mm. really anything required. Once you um, realize, oh, half the things, half the resources we wanted on Earth basically run out. And actually, there's more gold on that one asteroid than there is on the entire planet of Earth. So who cares about mining for gold in a really complex and hard way when we can just kind of scrape it off this thing? Um, whatever. Start, start from scratch somewhere um, else. Absolutely. So it's just, it's really fascinating. But I do think, I often wish we have like an, I, I really wish we'd have like an alien invasion. In one sense, we'd be done in a millisecond or just not even an invasion, but just the aliens showed up because I think yeah. we need something that just makes us suddenly click and go, oh my gosh, why am I making Muslims the enemy? Why am I making um, people of that color skin the enemy? Why am I making the capitalists the enemy? Why am I making Democrats? Or like, and it's like, oh, there's a little green man we're actually not so different suddenly. You know what I mean? It's like, we're actually probably all yeah. in this together and maybe we should stop being so petty. Um, and I, I feel like in our future, we need some sort of defining like, bam, whoa, we're in this together. Why are we constantly infighting? I don't know. It's, it's fascinating. Do, do you see like a particular direction in, in that technology and, and things like that are pushing us? Not much different than what you're describing. Unfortunately, I, I think that we we lost the plot that we were um, created to to steward and care for the Earth. That ev eventually, that the Earth was meant to care for us, but but we needed to to devote ourselves to it in that way. Um, we looked for the short term. Uh, usage of the resource but but not long term because we didn't need to our theology didn't require us to think long term yeah um the way i see uh the the future playing out i remember i described the initial um singularity from which the the entire universe was created and formed um in in revelation there's a reference to christ as the alpha and the omega mm. So that 
initial point, if Christ is that beginning point, in the Christian tradition, the apokastastasis, which is the ending point, the restoration of all things, Christ as the omega, there is, a, there is that same drawing forward to a culmination, that universe-wide drawing towards something. And what I believe that is, um, is the drawing towards the universal awareness mm. of our connection in Christ to each other and to the creation. So what's being exposed is the lack of that. So what we see on the media is that evil is running rampant. Yeah. I don't I don't see that at all. I, I think what, what's being exposed is the counterfeit. And what's emerging from that is our connection, our awareness of the connection that we've always shared. Yeah. But in order for that to emerge, the counterfeit has to be exposed. So certainly if you watch all of the news stations you'll just go you'll you'll, you'll be in despair that we're heading to hell in a handbasket mm. um yet I, I i think what's being exposed as as this evil is the sense of the counterfeit sense of separation mm. the natural outworking of the mindset of separation that has led to our violence has led to our destruction our addiction our pain um even our raping of the earth's resources um our hunger and poverty all, all of those things are starting point we don't make these connections theologically but um there are those who've done the work to show how significantly your your mindset shapes the way that it plays out in the world so if the awareness of our oneness is coming to the forefront over time. I think that brings us great hope. Mm. And in the scriptures, that hope is, is represented by uh, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the water covers the seas. And I take that to mean our awareness of our original identity in Christ, which also is our connection with God and with each other is coming to the forefront of our awareness and how that will play out eventually will cover the earth as, as the water covers the seas. Mm. So I, I think there's great hope for how this looks uh, going forward um, and how technology is going to support that growing awareness uh, as, as we move yeah. forward in, in, into the future. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah. Well, I'm aware of the time we've, we've gone over. Yeah. Said we would, um, I don't want to yeah, keep you out of your you work so for much. too long, but thank you. So your book is coming out soon. What's it called? How can people, when, when is it going to come out? Do you have a date yet? I don't have a date. Uh, sometime in November is my expectation. I'm okay. a first time writer, so I don't know how these things work yet. Uh, are you self-publishing or are you going to publish uh, through um, a publisher? Or? Yeah, my friend uh, Nick, um, Eyes Open Press out in New Jersey, um, okay, uh, nice. pastor of a church out there, has a publishing house and, and he's going to publish it, cool. uh, doing the editing now. Um, it's called Into the Abyss. Uh, it features a, a mystical journey into a black hole and how that sort of reshaped my theology and maybe a, a extracts the Jesus story from the shackles that it's been placed under in, in the West, especially. Mm. Um, so um, 
yeah, Facebook, I'm a regular. Um, okay. If folks want um, to get a, a sample, I'd be glad to send the prologue, see if it, it resonates with, with anyone. Just send me a message in, the, in Messenger. I, I check that on occasion. Um, and and, and what's get, your account on Facebook? Just remind, well, remind me, I'll write it down and put it in the show notes, but just for people listening in as well, they can. Sure, it's Mo, M-O, last name Thomas, and it's a Gmail account. It's Mo.Thomas14 at okay. Gmail is the uh, email behind it. But okay. it's, I'm, I'm on Facebook as just Mo Thomas. Just Mo Thomas, one word? What, uh, no, two words. Okay, yeah. Okay, sweet. Yep, yep. Wonderful. That's great. Mo, thank you so much for coming it's on. It's so Honestly, good catching up with you, It's my been friend. great catching up. What a great conversation. I love it. I, I feel like we could have talked for ages. Um, so maybe yes, we'll have you on yeah. again and we can talk more crazy, weird science, tech, yes. spirituality, and all that it means. Um, that'd be great. But, Driverless uh, spaceships. Yeah. Well, calm down. Calm down. I don't know if I want spaceships crashing into my bedroom either. So, you know, like... <laughs> The odds exactly. of that are really low now. <laughs> very, very low. Um, no, it's been wonderful. It's been really good to catch up with you, my friend. And I, I have so to say, to I'm off Facebook well. now, but I used to love seeing your stuff pop up on Facebook. You, you've got Thank some you, amazing same. thoughts, really wonderful thoughts. And so... Um, same. You, you were off... You, you, you got off Facebook and now you're on Instagram? I, I was on Instagram before, but... Oh, okay. man... Facebook, I just, I stopped using it personally. It just was too much. There was just too much crap on there. And I just was getting just too dragged down by it, you know? Um, and so I was just like, no, I'm done, done with Facebook. I'm going to focus on okay. Instagram. I, I kind of automatically post my Instagram posts over on my Facebook page. Gotcha. I think that's, that's how I were messaging. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't use my personal account anymore. I just was like, no, I, in fact, I'm not doing social media at all. Personally, I just go on there, okay. post my stuff that's it and on instagram i'll talk with people day in day out but dude you gotta get on instagram i love instagram it's just it's much more positive upbeat it's just maybe it's i think i create more of a bubble on instagram than i created on facebook maybe i think i think i'm the opposite i'm on instagram but i, I never use it you're on facebook uh, but there you, never you go use it. But that's it we're, we're, we're ships <laughs> in the night and- <laughs> that's funny um, well it was great to connect and um we should do this again for sure but i'll let you know I, when it drops I'd love that. um I'll, I'll send you some links and stuff when it comes out that sounds great. Um, but yeah, it'll probably be before your book. I'm probably realistically late September, I think. So, but okay. we'll once we once the book comes out, we'll update the links and stuff as well, so people can uh, find the. Uh, the That's fantastic. I so appreciate you uh, reaching out, Phil. Thank you. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, Blessings. love you, my Blessings friends. Have you. a good we'll day. Yeah? Soon. You do All the right. same. Take care. Ta-da. Take care. All right. So that was Mo Thomas, and I'd encourage you give him a follow over on Facebook if you're using Facebook. It's Mo Thomas seventy seven. Um, and he just posts some really great stuff and um, he's been in some interesting interviews. He shares a lot of that over on uh, Facebook. And so, yeah, give him a follow over there. And also I'd encourage you to keep an eye out for his upcoming book, Into the Abyss. I'll probably have him back on when, when uh, maybe he brings that out. We can we can do another talk. But um, it, I've read the, the prologue and, and I'm excited for it to come out and give it a proper read. And so do keep an eye out for that. Um, I can't remember. This is like about a month later. I'm recording the end of this, uh, the the extra, and uh, I can't remember if we mentioned the exact date it's coming out. Um, but um, by all means, give him a follow. Keep an eye out, and I'm, I'm sure he'll let you know when it's out, and I'll post something when it comes out as well, um, and so you won't miss it. 
Um, all right, that's all for now. Um, as always, check out the deconstructionnetwork.com if you're going through some form of deconstruction in your faith. It's a great resource, completely free as always, um, uh, that helps you find people that are deconstructing in your local area. Um, if you're wanting to explore different concepts within the concept of uh, Christianity, kind of tied to um, biblical scholarship and things like that, thegracecourse.com. I put out lots of great um, videos and uh, resources, and I think they're great anyway. Um, and again, all of that's for free. And we talk about things like human psychological development, hell, um, LGBTQ. Um, we look at different passages of the Bible. We talk about spiritual warfare or tithing. And we look at like, what are different ways that people can explore these? Um, what does the Bible really say? What is what is what has been orthodox uh, understanding of these topics? Um, and it might help you if you're really keen to keep within your Christian tradition as you deconstruct. Um, that's a great resource for you, the thegracecourse.com. Um, and as I said at the beginning, if you want to support what I'm doing and help me keep putting out these free resources and, and be able to spend all my time helping people on their journeys of deconstruction, um, it's phildrysdale.com slash partner or patreon.com slash phildrysdale. Either one um, will give you options to support me and you get access to our private discussion group and our monthly Zooms and things like that. All right, that's enough from me. I'll see you again on Thursday for the next podcast.